Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 93 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on this episode, we are going to uh, cover a couple of, uh, answer a couple questions, but in uh, one of the questions, we are going to be uh, discussing kind of the question behind the question. So we're going to be talking about misfired Eurolift clips and uh, how you bill for those, or if you should. And then also we're going to talk about uh, documentation uh, for the and specifically, what is you know in the chief complaint, what's kind of required or what what documentation should you do? I guess is the better way to put it. So, all right. With that, let's get started. Um, Mark, um, the question is, and we'll throw it out to Mark and Ray. Let us know if you have any questions as well, but. Uh, it's from Melissa saying, I have been asked if it is appropriate to bill for misfired Eurolift implants. All right. So, um, so we're going to, although I don't think I've, I've seen anything specific on this. Um, uh, what I, what I do say it's what we do look is that around Medicare for various, uh, parallels if you will <clears throat> and we do have some parallels here so a misfire or a pull through urolift implant um, is in some ways very similar to discarded drug um, but it's not you know the the coding for the missed the, the discarded drug we have a specific modifier to indicate that which is the jw we don't have a specific modifier um, that was uh, that's available to us for a pull through or a misfire. Um, so um, we we can build these. Um, your documentation um, needs to support that you know the package was open, it was deployed, every effort was made was was made to deploy it. So. The documentation needs to support that the procedure and the equipment were used and used appropriately, um, but then the fail, um, which is also documented, um, uh, does not change your billing. You would still bill it out as, um, you know, the uh, additional Eurolift because we're, of course, assuming that um, that is something that is going to happen you know, with maybe one, uh, or in some cases we've seen two, when you're putting in many uh, other Eurolifts that you're not just going to say, well, that failed. And so typically it would be billed on a 52442 as in each additional Eurolift um, is what we've seen so far. Um, so, um, but if it happened that that was the only one and you gave up after that, it would be 52441. Um, no modifiers required at this point because we don't have a good modifier um, to truly uh, 
document what happened there. And are you uh, seeing reimbursement for that uh, in in our clients? Yes. Well, they um, the issue is that you know it, as far as what Medicare sees, if you're under six, they're probably not going to review your documentation. <laughs> but um, we definitely have had a few that have been billed that we've seen documentation review and payment. So um, not only have we uh, you know we've got precedent um, from the rules and regulations, but we also have seen precedent of chart review and payment. Ray, what are your thoughts? Uh, this is another case where payment defies logic in our favor. Because to me, if it was packaged separately, the company ought to have to pay for it. But I guess uh, Medicare has decided they will. Well, I, I think there's a little more there's a little more to it than that, that, you know, a misfire isn't necessarily the, an equipment failure. Um, you know, it could be that it just uh, was something uh, in the in the deployment. It could be the anatomy. So I think there's a lot behind it. Um, and ultimately, if this if it becomes something of an equipment issue, I'm sure things will change. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily right to categorize it as a company failure in, e in every case, from what I've read. And I think that, that makes more sense. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons that things happen, um, and it could be, you know, faulty equipment. But most of what we've seen has not been faulty equipment, just from what I've read. It looks more like a, you know, kind of your your drug example. Yes. You know, in a way, it's just, uh, you know, a, a victim of circumstances, so to speak. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, I think we got that one answered. Let's go on to the next one. And uh, this is from uh, uh, Scott. And Scott asks, or... Yeah, yes. Um, I know John's opinion and uh, Dr. John Lynn, I'm sure that's uh, kind of who he's referring to, uh, but was wondering what the painters think. Chief complaint, do you have to be more detailed than stating follow-up? So I'm going to go with Scott. It depends on what question you're asking, right? Um, from the standpoint of the new documentation guidelines. Um, history is simply required. So we don't have any points necessarily for counting chief complaint or, you know, how many chief complaints there are, those types of things, location, all that stuff is gone. So as long as you document a medically necessary history, um, a chief complaint with follow-up was that counts as history, um, uh, as, as a note. But, um, when, if you're, if you're actually asking more about whether or not the, that chief complaint should be counted as a problem, um, that is being dealt with that day, um, then we, we've got to focus a little bit differently because, you know, the, the new guidelines, um, base the, uh, selection of level in the office setting on the medical decision making. Um, so 
when we're reading through and auditing charts, we are looking for uh, some indication that a problem was addressed and managed that day because we need um, to see that there was medical decision making related to that particular problem. Um, so if uh, uh, there's a chief complaint listed up top and then um, it says follow up and then you went down to the assessment and plan and there was um, a, uh, a, a note related to that chief complaint that indicated what was being done right now and that you're going to continue to follow that uh, particular problem like a renal cyst. Um, you know, you're going to continue to monitor that problem. It's based on size and there's nothing to be done today. Then you would count that as a stable chronic illness and your risk would be minimal or low depending upon how big the cyst was and how fast you're trying to or how diligently you're monitoring that particular issue. Um, and now if you got into something like, um, you know, renal cyst follow-up, then I, I don't know from that whether or not that problem was managed that particular day or you're just uh, telling me that you're going to schedule that patient to come back for another particular issue, which, um, you know, could be argued that that is some medical decision-making um, in that you're going to bring that patient back in for some follow-up, but it's just not that clear. And so, um, you know, as we go through these, when we see something like this, um, our comment back to anybody uh, would be, from an educational side, would be, you know, you need to expand on the problem itself and the, and the, the management you are providing. Um, so I would discourage just follow-up for any particular problem in the medical decision-making side. Um, now, you know, if, if pinned to the wall to try and defend a physician who said, you know, uh, it's clear that I'm, you know, bringing this patient back in for following up on this problem at a later visit because I couldn't deal with it today. Um, but it is an identified problem that needs follow-up. Uh, within the context of the note, I might be able to argue that. Um, but the big point here is that I would have to argue that. And so um, I would uh, encourage all of you to if you are managing a problem, give give the context and give the actions um, that you are uh, doing or not doing based on the problem and the patient's overall condition. Ray, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I'll just reemphasize a couple of good points that Mark made. Uh, because if you look at the new documentation guidelines, all it says is you have to have a medically appropriate. And as mentioned, Mark said that you're going to be judged and you're going to be paid based on medical decision making. Well, one of those is problem. And uh, 
if you answer the question specifically, you don't have to have a chief complaint. You do have to have a medically necessary history. Now, let's come full circle back. Most people expect that a chief complaint is a part of a medically necessary history. So you can lock it in very easily with a uh, identifying the problem. And as Mark mentioned, context, you know, is the problem getting better? Is it getting worse? All of that is important in your medical decision making. And that has to be documented. So the answer is both ways. But we've always said when you document, you need to have proof of service and also why you've done what you've done. So that's all medically necessary. I, I would agree on what you're indicating. And, and ultimately, you know, the, the context of what follow-up is and what the chief complaint is could be enough to say that would make sense. So, you know, if, if the chief complaint was, you know, explained like a, you know, patient has a renal cyst size, blah, blah, blah. This was imaged last in blah, um, at X number at X date, um, does not appear to be growing, continue follow-up. I mean, that to me is, you know, you've given a, a context around medical management and, you know, that follow-up was exactly what you're supposed to do. So you're right. I mean, in the end, it's, it is about the overall context and explanation that, that makes sense that says, I decided to do something here. After listening to what I said, I think I was talking around in circles, which is what I don't like to do. <laughs> but what I was trying to say, you have to have a medically necessary history. And whether it comes under the category of chief complaint or whether you put it into your present illness under the new documentation guidelines, it doesn't matter. As long as the auditor can readily identify what you're dealing with that day. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Yes. Yep. That was, that was a, a more succinct way of saying that than your first uh, explanation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. With that, I think that's, uh, that's, what we wanted to cover today and i will remind you that registration is open for our urologists coding workshop and if you like these discussions that we're having this is the type of discussion that will happen on the urologist coding workshop as we get more into the questions and answer the questions it's uh, set up and it's uh, going to be a five-hour session on a saturday so it doesn't interfere with your clinic hours and we, we encourage you all to attend and um, Dr. John Lynn and Mark and I will, and Ray will all be joining you and we'll be hearing a lot of just some, uh, I guess, Mark, go ahead and share what you're going to be sharing on this and then 
how how will they benefit from the discussions? So we're going to uh, basically approach this with some practical application of what um, a urologist needs to be aware of from a documentation standpoint um, to support the specific modifiers and globals and 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 the surrounding um, uh, issues that they need to explain to in their documentation to support billing for everything that they do accurately. Um, and when we when we bring up these issues as we go through, we're going to leave a significant amount of time um, for discussions. Um, and uh, we'll, you know, get some more practical applications and, you know, specific circumstances that we uh, can discuss amongst the group. And um, we usually have a very lively um, back and forth exchange to try and give, you know, tease out some of the, the nuances based on the, the overall intent um, which is which is where I think a lot of people uh, can could gain some additional uh, uh, revenue or or uh, gain some additional uh, value um, for the services that they provide. Ray, your thoughts? I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you've got the perspective of John, who is in the trenches and. Uh, and uh, doing this every day as in addition to be a student of the issues. And then you got Mark, who is the expert. And then uh, you've got Scott that uh, does a good job of moderating this. And I get to say a couple of things every now and then. <laughs> all right. Well, we encourage you all to join us that, uh, you know, this is really pulling out that part of the the seminars and the comments that we've had in the past that the discussion is very important to uh, to learning and mastering urology coding so we really wanted to give a good forum for that and we want to thank uh, dr dr lynn for uh really bringing this as uh, an important workshop and bringing this and helping us put this together so we're really excited about that. Again, if you uh, if you want to sign up, we do encourage you to sign up. You can go to uh, prsnetwork.com forward slash 093 for episode 93, and we'll put links to how uh, to to the sign up page. Right now, it's uh, up until the the end of the month is VIP registration, and that means you get the guaranteed lowest price. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're a VIP, but it's not open to uh, the general masses yet. So uh, if you want to get that price, special pricing, we encourage you to do so before the end of the month. All right. That's it for uh, today. Mark, final thoughts? Uh, I would just say, you know, as we've all continued to put experience under our belts on the E&M codes. Um, I think people are doing a, a nice job of, of really adapting to these new rules and 
we're now getting to the point where we're starting to talk about some of the nuances that are out there. And, you know, until we see um, some specific guardrails put up by Medicare, um, I just can encourage everyone to continue to put your thoughts on paper in your documentation as you manage things, you know, figure out the best way to to communicate what you're actually doing in the visit and what you're actually thinking to truly explain and support the E&M services that you provide. Ray? And, and I guess I would add to that, you need to document realizing that that person that's going to audit your chart is not as knowledgeable as you are. So you need to make it clear. All right. That'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.